What's going on, guys? My name is Zach Falk, and I'm the host for the podcast you're about to listen to called It's Just Personal. Have you ever sat down with somebody and learned something about their life, and you just had more questions, but you didn't have enough time? That happens to me every single day when I communicate with people. I'm a people person, and I just want to know more about their stories and about their lives. So that brings me to the purpose of this podcast. I'm going to be interviewing people from all over the state of Montana and maybe even beyond so I can learn how they utilize relationships and their own personal people skills in their lives. I want to talk about their businesses, their communities, their families, their churches, and I want to ask questions so that you as an audience can learn how to better yourself from a relational perspective because that's what life is about. How can we become better people? And even more importantly, how can we make the people around us even better people. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today's guest, it's going to be awesome. So let's get right in. Welcome folks to the third episode of my podcast, which is called It's Just Personal. Today's episode is specifically called Wealth Requires a Strategy, and we're going to unpack that for you as we get into it. I'm Zach Falk. I'm your host, and joining me today are two of Whitefish's finest when you consider the world of finance. Uh, our professions also have some crossover, uh, being that I'm in the mortgage industry, but I think you'll like these guys a little bit more than you like me, and uh, as you know, I sell debt as what I do for a living, right? Boo. These guys actually improve your wealth portfolio uh, as their profession. So they're people that you want to know. So Tom Shook and Drew Coco, welcome to the podcast. Say hi to our audience. Good to be with you, Zach. Yeah, good morning, Zach. Thanks Hello, for being audience. Here. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background on first Tom, and then we'll jump into Drew, and then we'll get into our discussion today. So Tom, you've been in Whitefish since 1992, 92. which is pretty cool. Came from Haver, Montana, or actually in Haver, Montana? Uh, yeah, so I lived in Haver for about a year, okay. and then we made it uh, over to Whitefish. Nice. Good choice. Yeah. But sorry for you Haver people. Uh, he graduated Whitefish High School in 2005, and then uh, right after that, you joined Cocoa Enterprises. Is that uh, right? So high school, I did uh, uh, four years at uh, Bethel University in St. Paul, oh, nice. Minnesota. Then I did uh, two years at uh, the University of North Dakota in Grand Forks, and then I came to Cocoa Enterprises. Okay, great. Yeah. And you've been at Cocoa now 11 years? Uh, 11 and a half years, yeah. Okay, yeah. that is really cool. So Tom has three kiddos, uh, which is pretty fun. I have three kids, so we yeah. can relate a lot on that. And then um, you enjoy exercising and reading books. Uh, yeah, I, I should say I don't really enjoy exercising in the winter. So, so right now it's more of the book reading, and then when things warm up, that's when uh, that's when the exercise starts again. So, and who really likes exercising anyway? Period. Right? Yeah. I, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for being here, Tom. Uh, kicking over to Drew. So, Drew, you're a partner at Cocoa Enterprises. Is that correct? Yes, we both cool. are actually. Oh, you both recent. are. Actually, Excellent. I included that in my bio. Yeah. Nice. Wait, how recent? Two days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is break. Dry, Folks, yeah. we have breaking news. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank That's, you. That is awesome. So, um, and then before coming back to the Valley, you were in Indianapolis. Is that I correct? was. Where dreams go to die. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Indianapolis folk. <laughs> we're just beating up on we that. We are, areas. yeah. That's because Whitefish is pretty great. It is. So, um, so then what did you do in the Midwest? Midwest, I mostly worked for the railroad. 
Uh, Norfolk nice. Southern Corporation. Yeah, I played with choo-choos, as I tell my two-year-old. <laughs> I love it. Mm. That is great. What kind of work did you do for the railroad? So I worked in the communications and signal department. I really had nothing to do with trains, actually. It was okay. mostly everything behind the scenes. That makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would probably do the same if I were in your shoes. So what do you do when you're not managing folks' investment portfolios? Well, I share a, a hobby farm with my family who lives on the, you know, we share a, um, a big parcel. So I'm wrangling goats, um, taking care of quail, chickens, rabbits. Um, I have a two-year-old, which is, uh, you know, one-third of the of the work of three, I'm, I'm guessing. But I'm wrangling a two-year-old as it well. It does require wrangling. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's awesome. Cool. So this hobby farm, how big is it? It's it's small. So I think right now we have about twelve goats. Um, small, small. That's small. The, the small <laughs> in terms of the goat size or the quali- <laughs> the, the quantity of the, the goats. Because they are yes. Nigerian dwarfs, they are oh, quite small. Nice. But they're squirrely. You'd be surprised nice. what kind of fight they can put up. That's awesome. Yeah. I will leave you to do the farming because uh, I am born and raised in Montana, but I don't share a lot of. Those sorts of Montana values. How about that? All but right. did your wife get you into it, or was no? It my idea? dad. Okay. So I joke. Nice. I call him Oliver Wendell Douglas, like in the show Green Acres. <laughs> yes. Um, for, for our older listeners, yes. or the ones who like a little nostalgia. Yes. He uh, suit and tie by day, farmer by night. That and is. There's certainly a learning curve sitting at a desk for 30 years. So I guess we're both kind of learning together and making a lot of mistakes, but having fun. That is great. You know, we watched. Uh, my dad was really into Green Acres, and so growing up, it was. There was that and Hogan's Heroes. Yes. Those oh, yeah. were the shows that we yeah. watched as a kids. And so I used to hum or whistle the theme songs everywhere and people would kind of look at me like, What are you singing? Right. I just didn't understand. So I'm glad you guys understand. This yeah. is yeah. this is breaking breaking ground here. Okay, so um what other things that are do you guys consider that are important uh in your background? So Tom, you've got eleven years under your belt at Coco. What did that look like when you started? And then, of course, now as a partner, kind of walk me through that journey. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I came, you know, right after graduate school. Uh, Joe was kind enough to, to hire me, and I was basically the secretary at that point. So I was mailing letters, you know, licking stamps, uh, answering the phone. Uh, I still answer the phone, which is, uh, you know, which is, I have no problem with that. But yeah, you know, basically, uh, Joe, our, our, our boss um, and partner now, I guess, is that uh, he, he compared it to as a, like a sushi restaurant. You know, you start as the, uh, the rice fanner, and then you work your way up to, uh, I forget what the next step is, is like, uh, um, like rice fanner and then like dough massager or There's something like the, that. Well, and, he, uh, he gets it from the documentary Hero Dreams of Sushi. Okay. Where the apprentices massage the octopus. Oh, yeah. And they right. do that for like years yeah. or something. Yeah. And that's their only, and they, they perfect that before they move on. But. Yeah. So I, I, I you know, was the rice fanner for a number of years and then I moved on to uh, octopus massager <laughs> and then eventually partner. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. Natural progression. That yeah. is yeah. great. Yeah. I think you guys need to have like a little bit of a sushi bar in the office in honor of that analogy. That would if, be great. Yeah. Yes. If you need to yeah. be reminded of where you started just go roll some rice for a bit yeah. that, that would be yeah. a unique uh, <laughs> unique aspect to the yes. financial industry you have yes. the boar's head up there that exactly. our viewers can yes. see we could yes. have a, a tuna head yeah. there you go mounted exactly. on our yeah. wall I love it uh, okay so for you Drew so you got the railroad in there when did you start at Coco technically technically I started at Coco about five years ago okay and came directly from the Midwest spent the better part of that decade sure. um, in the Midwest and I sat at my father's table for 18 years, so I had 
an understanding sure. of the industry. But I made a, I, I had a rather eclectic background. Um, after high school, um, you know, did college for a few years, um, was a rather imprudent youth and left. And the natural progression from there is you go to another college or you get a job. And I decided mm-hmm. to hitchhike uh, around the country. And I wanted to see all 50 states just like you. I've read yep. in your bio, you've seen all 50 states. I still have Alaska to get to. Nice. But uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. And it's a, it's a bit of a hike to get there. And I've heard it's big. So when I do go there, I want to spend a, a minute or two. You should. We only spent four or five days gotcha. and it left some uh, to be wondered about yeah. what else exists. There. I imagine that anything above Fairbanks is just the Arctic tundra. Exactly. But, but nonetheless. It still would be kind of cool to trudge around it a little it bit, be, I would think. Yeah. 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 But I did, um, uh, did a lot of things before joining Coco um, Enterprises. It sounds mm-hmm. kind of weird saying that, Coco. I was just kind of following your lead. But uh, it was kind of a process of elimination for me. Um, sure. Did a lot of things. What I didn't like, I mm-hmm. discovered, and then finally realized, hey, I, I want to pursue finance. What do I need to do to join the team? That's awesome. And that was five years ago. Okay. And then uh, Joe is your father? Yes. Correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have a similar uh, sort of background because uh, my dad's been in mortgages for, well, we tease him at the office. And he's, he's like 61, and we say he's been in mortgages for 70 years, you know, before he was born. Um, but truthfully it's around 30 and, um, yeah, I had a, it took a career path that I thought was the right thing to do and always was aware of mortgages and, uh, ultimately came to my senses and ended up in the mortgage industry. Uh, just cause I, like you said, I understood kind of how it worked and it, it made sense to get back there, but it took me a while to understand that. It, it happens if you're yeah. the, the child of a auto mechanic, you're going to know a lot about cars naturally. And if you're the, you know, son or a daughter of a chef, you might be a good cook just by, you know, Mm -hmm. know, they also say that, uh, cooks don't cook in their own kitchen though. So some of that could be, Hey, what else is out there? Right. Um, for people that are, yeah, wanting to experience (laughs) things. But Mm -hmm. so then, um, here's your chance kind of to make a plug. So we've been kicking around kind of where you work, Coco Enterprises, what do you guys do? Uh, what's your value what, proposition? What do you do all day? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. As little as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of fill the audience in on what that looks like, um, what types of services you provide, and uh, just so they can understand a little bit more about Cocoa Enterprises. 90% of it is uh, meeting and talking with, with our clients. Um, we do a, a heavy focus on planning. So we don't just... Um, manage investments it's uh, a lot of it is you know are, are you know you're 50 or you're five 10 years out from retirement you know what does that look like how are you going to get ready for it you know what are the things you need to think about um you know people going into retirement you know how much income are you going to have um what's your social security what's medicare going to look like what um you know what challenges uh that mm-hmm. uh you know that that you need to be thinking about um, to kind of help you make the transition and then people, you know, in retirement, you know, just managing, you know, where their income's coming from. And we spend a lot of time talking to people about those things. Sure. And, uh, so 90% of my day at least is spent talking to people and then making decisions on what they're going to do. And then the, the rest of the office, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, some really good staff that, you know, make sure all those things get, uh, executed. So you kind of <laughs> sit more on maybe to simplify it, like the strategy side of things. Yeah. With your clients, and sure. then you've got 
other folks who kind of help work with some of the details perhaps? Yeah. So, and I, I'm, you know, I don't speak for Drew here, but you know, I would imagine his day is, you know, similar to mine where he's you know on the phone a lot and we're just, we're making decisions, you know, deciding on what we want to do. And then once we do it, you know, there's usually in finance, everybody knows there's, you know, you're going to cut down, you know, five trees for every decision you make. And, uh, you know, we have our, our office administrator, Erica, who is phenomenal at getting paperwork, you know, done correctly, quickly and out the door. And, nice. uh, and then that's kind of where I hand it off. But, you know, majority of my day is, is being on the phone, taking meetings and, uh, just kind of, you know, strategizing with people and kind sure. of looking at all their stuff and be like, what, what, what do we, what, what should we be doing now? Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. How about for you? Similar? Sim- very, Tom said it well. We are a, a fee-based independent investment advisory and financial planner firm. Um, also investment advisory, also investment management. Sure. So I, I think there's probably three overarching areas that we serve. Um, financial planning is a big one, like Tom said. Mm-hmm. Um, we're helping people strategize to make good financial decisions um, now and all the way into their future. We're also investment managers where we might strategically say, hey, um, Mr. or Mrs. Client, um, we recommend you sell these assets or get into these investments. Let's make some changes. And we also do um, investment advisory uh, where we have a full-time analyst and we have in-house strategies. So we're, we're choosing different uh, investment strategies sure. and tailor-making them for our, for our clients. Okay, that's great. Um, so then I assume that you have to have a pretty good understanding of markets as a whole, if you're going to provide strategy. So what sort of, you mentioned analysts, right? So what type of things do you enjoy? Like you mentioned that you read books. Do you read uh, finance related yes. material and do you enjoy it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I call myself a mortgage geek yeah. and people laugh at me because I read the same stuff yeah. for me. But and, you know, the, the thing, you know, Drew and I have talked to this about before, but the, the, you know, some people, it's like that Jerry Seinfeld bit, you know, where he's like, he thought the guy driving the UPS truck, he, he grew up wanting to be a UPS driver. And then you get to be older and you realize that that that's not the case. <laughs> With people who have our jobs, I feel like that that is the case, though, nice. is that you find a job that you like, and it's that it's, you, you go to work, and you serve your clients, and then you go home, and it doesn't bother you to spend another couple hours reading a book about it or reading articles about it because you enjoy what you do. And, uh, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld bit was, was hilarious, but not necessarily true in uh, uh, at least my case. So, <clears throat> Sure, well, uh, there's not a whole lot you can study about how to drive a truck better. Right. There's a lot you can study yeah. about how to advise from a financial perspective in a better way for your clients. So that's, that's great. That's a good analogy though, yeah. because a lot of it is the people business. Yeah. And if you know, um, modern portfolio theory and investment analysis, um, you know, all that, but you aren't, you don't have an understanding of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably not going to have a lot of success. So I think that's important too. I think so. And I'm glad you mentioned it because the focus that I try to take on these podcast episodes is to kind of mix in how relationships fit into what mm. we do on a daily basis. You yeah. mentioned Erica as an example and just how important she is to your guys' business. Well, that's a relationship that you have with someone. So from a client perspective, I assume that you need to have a strong relationship with these people so that when you do advise them that they trust you to actually move forward with what it is you're advising. So how do you guys leverage relationships on a client perspective? We, uh, the, the biggest thing is, is to, uh, be available and, yeah. and, and to, uh, to, to reach out to them. 
if, if they can't get a hold of you, it's, uh, you know, that, that's generally bad for the relationship. But if they know that you're just a phone call away and if you're not available at the moment, you're going to get back to them in a reasonable amount of time. That, that goes a long way to, um, uh, to, to kind of shoring up some of those relationships. And, uh, you know, it helps if people like you, right. <laughs> obviously. I wouldn't say we want to bug our clients, but yeah. almost to that point sure. where it's yeah. like, hey, okay, I know you're there. Um, you don't have to keep reminding me how my portfolio is doing. But I think that's better mm -hmm. than I can never get a hold of my advisor. Where yeah. are they? Right. We have a term called polite persistence mm. when it comes to, because uh, in, in our industry, there's a lot of people that are sort of ready to move on buying a house, and we believe that they should be moving maybe a little bit faster. But like you said, sometimes it can feel like bugging, but I think truthfully when you look at it, we're working on the best interests of those that we care about, which is it, the I people think we serve. Even though they, they don't, you know, oftentimes tell you this and, and maybe sometimes you, you, you do bug them, but you know, they always have the option to, to, to mute your, uh, your messages, but, <laughs> yes. um, and, and maybe I'm completely off base with this, but I, I think it's, it's, it's somewhat comforting for people to know that, you know, if you're doing your podcast, you're writing newsletter articles, you're, you know, you're constantly mm -hmm. generating this stuff and constantly reaching out. They know that you're not just growing stale, like sitting in there, you know, waiting for somebody to call you. You're actively pursuing stuff. You're learning stuff. You're you're involved in it, and I think they get a level of comfort from that. And uh, to the point where they're like, you know what? I, I read his newsletter. I saw the podcast. I, I don't need to bug him at this point. So, I think that's really well said. Yeah, <clears throat> we try to have a lot of um, we try to have a lot of touching points mm -hmm. for our clients. The more we touch, whether that's through the radio or our podcast or our newsletter or our phone calls or our seminars, I think that's better, and that helps build the trust. Mm -hmm. I agree. You bet. Okay. Thank you guys. That's awesome. So, uh, for those of you watching, definitely call Tom or Drew if you need help managing or getting some advice on how to handle your finances. Uh, they take care of some stuff for me personally. And, um, I do get regular phone calls from Tom and I really appreciate it because typically those phone calls end up being 10, 15 minutes where I happen to have a question that yeah. I've been wanting to ask, but I didn't feel like it was important enough to call. So then Tom calls and there you go. I get an opportunity to answer to ask my question. And so thank you guys. You do I, a good I job. often compare our profession to being like a fireman, you know, sure. so firemen, I'm sure they didn't get into the business to just sit around the, uh, the, you know, the, the <laughs> firehouse and, and make, you know, they actually want to go put out fires and it's the same thing in finance. It's that you know, I don't like just sitting in my office. So if people, you know, no matter how small questions are, I, I like talking about it. So I don't, I don't like sitting quietly in my office. It's uh, it's hard for me. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So kind of stepping away from business and kind of back into the personal life a little bit. Um, why do you guys live in Montana? If you removed the firm, let's say it didn't exist and you were doing whatever you wanted to do, would you still be in Montana? Yes, absolutely. That's two yeses. Yeah. Okay. How come? Uh, I mean, well, first of all, I was born here. I mean, this is, you know, I, I yeah, maybe, maybe because, uh, you know, I, I was born here. I'm, I'm used to mountains and trees and stuff like that, but I've, I've been to Minneapolis, uh, lived there for a while, which is fine. You know, the city's great. I have nothing against Minneapolis other than the humidity in the summer, which, um, I, I cannot, uh, I'll tell you that right now. And then I lived in Grand Forks, North Dakota and nothing against, and I know we're ripping on people today, but, uh, nothing against people in Grand Forks, but I've never had my car door free shut before. And then my, my car also got egged, you know, while I was oh, going to school yes. there. And the egg, it was froze so hard on the car that I had to, like, use, like, some chemical compound to, like, oh. get it off. 
and uh, you know, it, it's yeah, it wasn't wasn't a uh, as far as you know the the weather goes and stuff like that was not a pleasant experience. But I mean, you come here, I mean, it's beautiful. There's plenty to do out so outdoors. Um, you don't have uh, you know the crime and the the stuff that you have to deal with in bigger cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, for having three kids going to school here, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving. <clears throat> Love it. How about for Tom you? Tom said it great. Um, I, I like the people, too. Yeah. Um, of course, like anyone here, I, I, I like the outdoors. I like um, using the local trails, the mountains, the lakes, fly fishing, golfing. Because you're a pretty intense runner, correct? I, I have the sickness, <laughs> as I tell my wife. You're down with it's, the sickness. Yes, I'm nice. down with the sickness. It's not a choice. <laughs> it, is a, it is a real problem, and I'm doing my best to... to get help nice. but yeah i do like trail running on the, on the trails but the people here are great yeah. um, i like running into friends and clients um and colleagues at the grocery store or wherever i'm going in town and you see that you still have mm-hmm. that small town vibe it's changing a little bit but um still great i agree were you born here no okay. i was actually a military uh brat so ah, i was born in, right. uh, in japan actually nice. but my family moved to the valley when i was about three okay so my earliest memories are still in Montana, in Montana, sure. pretty much born and raised. There. That's cool because I was born here too. So we've got a lot of years in Montana, even though we're yeah. both we're all pretty young. So, um, okay. So then, um, some of the things that I hear in the valley is that, and you mentioned staffing already, but I like to just kind of get a pulse on, uh, especially now that you guys are partners. This is perfect. Um, have you had the traditional challenges uh, in staffing? that you hear about in the local news or that you experience when you go to try to order food at a restaurant. Uh, there seems to be a challenge in finding people. So I'm curious to hear your, your perspective on that. Well, let's, let's put it this way. No. <laughs> Great. Well, well What's yeah. the secret? Yeah. I don't Next know. Question. I don't know. And I, I want your thoughts because we've yeah. never talked about this, but we have phenomenal staff. We haven't hired or fired. Well, we, oh, Never fired. We've never fired. Never fired. Not and the right. last hire was me five years ago. Yeah. And wow. before that, I believe it was Alex, which was like eight yeah. or nine years ago. Yeah, Alex is our analyst. So we are yeah. completely in the dark with this this um, shortage. I know it's a real problem, but mm-hmm. you know what? That deserves some of this. Let's just enjoy yeah. this for yeah. a minute. That's a big deal, seriously, because yeah. um, we so we had a restaurant for a few years. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was the hardest part. And that was uh, back in 16 to 18, where it was easier than it is today in the service industry. So I'm really glad you guys don't have to deal with that. That's a big deal. Do you actually kind of market that? And just when you talk about your team or or maybe a, a differentiator, perhaps, between you and, say, your biggest competitor, is that something you talk about? Uh, typically, no. I mean, you know, Erica for sure markets herself because she is she is good at what she does, and uh, yeah, we I'm not you know not like gonna plug our podcast, but we have a little podcast we do on YouTube as well. And our analyst is uh, the consummate analyst. He's a incredibly smart guy who is incredibly good at analyzing things, and he'll analyze the budget menu at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and pe- pe- you know, just talking to him, people will get an idea of, of just how smart he is and how good he, good he is at his job. And uh, so, you know, so we, you know, they, they kind of speak for themselves, and uh, and we don't actively market it. But when they when they meet these people, they they kind of get a sense of of how good they are at their at doing their jobs. So. That's awesome. Do you guys have an episode on the McDonald's menu? 
marketing? I think we do. Yeah. And Alex actually did say, yeah, the, the quarter pounder with cheese is two ninety nine, but it has four hundred calories. If yeah. I spent three twenty five, I might be able to get yeah. four hundred and fifty calories. And you found out it would be cheaper to just stack two like, you know, single burgers on yeah. top of each other for the same price. Yeah, it's, it's uh, that's the kind of can guy I you please, want. Can I please analyze. get a copy of that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and take it up for you. <laughs> okay. yeah. I'll send it to you. That would be awesome. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, that level of analytics is actually really important in what you do. So it's a good asset to have on your team. But so then um, you mentioned that you guys like books. You like the world of finance. Uh, if you peel back the layers a little bit, what about finance um, do you like? We'll start with you, Drew. But what is it that makes you tick? Oh, that is such a good question. The world of finance. <clears throat> I think what I like about it is finance, and particularly money. Now they kind of go hand in hand, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, money's kind of a uh, it's a measuring stick of our choices, and we all make choices um, whether they're financial or not. And so you kind of get to determine success in a very, um, very quantitative way. Um, so if you make good decisions in life, um, and you're good manager of your finances, you'll have good outcomes. I like that. That is a, that's a, that's, that'll be a quote that probably goes, uh, at the beginning of the episode. So nice. thank you. Congratulations. For that. That was great. Yeah, you you win. Again. yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, the other question I have that goes with that before I get your answer, um, is it finance or is it finance? Finance. <laughs> Never even thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had people say that, uh, if you know what you're talking about, it's finance. And I'm like, no. Finance. Well, we don't know what we're talking about. It's finance. Don't worry. I hear it's on the, the, um, the radio ads for um, car loans and things like, oh, 0% financing. Financing. And so maybe yeah. it's just, maybe when you're borrowing money, finance is more appropriate. And when you're trying to grow your money, finance. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's like saying the G in singer. If you yes, ever right, do that, right. It's like singer. It's like, are you sure you're saying that? But I think <laughs> technically it's correct, but it sounds, right. sounds weird. I had a friend when we were growing up who would say every G hard. And yeah. so it bringing yeah. or talking <laughs> yeah. and it just yeah. drove me crazy. But yeah. I, I gave him a hard time. It didn't matter. He kept doing it. <laughs> so how about for you, Tom, what makes you tick? For the world of oh, finance. Um, you know, the thing that eventually got me out of what I was doing, you know, I was sitting in uh, all true hospital at 3 a.m. in the morning going through uh, a bunch of uh, uh, data I needed for my research project. And uh, not only was it uh, somewhat uh, eerie because you're in a hospital at 3 in the morning with nobody else around, um, it's just the fact that I'm just I'm sitting in front of a computer like in a cubicle. I just, I can't do this. Like I, I got to talk to, I got to have people around me. You know, I, I hate sitting at my desk all day. You know, Drew knows I'm constantly bugging him in his office just cause I can't, you know, I can't be in my, uh, can't be in my office all day. So the fact that I, I talk to people, um, you know, uh, all day long and the fact you get to help people, that's, uh, that's, you know, kind of why I got into it. So. Absolutely. So I like to ask this to everybody who comes on my podcast, extrovert or introvert. I'm getting a read. So I like to see if I'm correct. So I'll start with you. Uh, I, I would go with uh, extrovert uh, for for sure. I, I guess uh, my wife describes me as an extroverted introvert. You know, yep. she, she's kind of that. My, my wife is introverted, but uh, you know, I, I like. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I like you know, like a quiet evening too. It's, it's sure, it's nice. Which you know, maybe it's just because I have three kids. I right was now, just gonna yeah. say, I yeah. think there's more yeah. to the story yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like there's a bell curve. Um, I I'll say introvert. Let's start there. Okay, and I do like being around people, but I don't like being at. Uh, a concert sure. or a, but you know, Disney world, those kind of things, mm-hmm. um, in front of too many people. So very small, intimate settings, 
let's go with extrovert. Other than that, I'm an introvert. Nice. I like it. Cool. That's about what I had pegged. So yeah. that makes sense. But okay. So then I also like when I talk to people who um, have a very client and service based type of work that you do. What do you find to be the most important tools of client acquisition? So in your business, is a lot of it that you you get a client at the beginning of their finance journey and they stick with you forever? Um, or are you kind of searching for people to do business with you? What does that look like? Uh, I mean, so in terms of marketing, um, you know, I've kind of already made this statement a couple of times, I guess, but if you do quality work for people, I um, see. it markets itself. Uh, so if you, if you call them, you stay in contact, the work that you do is good. Um, you know, when they call the office, they get somebody right away and they get somebody who's, who's happy to help. And it's not, uh, it doesn't sound like a burden that you've, uh, you've been calling. Um, I, I think word gets out about that and, um, and it, it kind of markets itself. Um, so that, I think just, just the work that we do on a daily basis has been the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest marketing tool for us. Mm -hmm. So what if you had to, I agree with you, by the way, we see the same thing here, um, that good work tells its own story. Uh, what if you had to peel back all the past uh, work that you've done to where you don't have the track record of good work? Can you theorize what that might look like as far as client acquisition goes? You want to? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is a great a question. Deep question. It yeah. is. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we are. We're, we're pretty plain vanilla. Um, so you peel back the layers far. You don't even have to peel back the layers. It's right there on the surface. We're very plain vanilla. You know what we do, mm -hmm. um, and we don't do a lot of uh, fancy, esoteric, complicated stuff. Um, so I think clients know that, and um, and we have a reputation for that. Um, but man, that's yeah. that's maybe think about it because I, I like to ask myself this question because reputation. Uh, and then previous relationships are fundamental to new business. Um, but I like to pretend like those don't exist sometimes and yeah. just get out of my comfort zone and see if I can go figure out how to. It, I, I, I think, I yeah. think the, the biggest thing is that we're, we're constantly, you know, putting, you know, so we're going to do, we're doing our a radio show next year. We'd done the radio show. Uh, Joe did the radio show a little bit uh, a couple of years ago. And that was uh, that was a good marketing tool for what us. What station? Uh, KEGZ. Okay, uh, sweet. So, yeah. yeah, so uh, was it on noon on Thursdays? Mm -hmm. Yeah, shameless plug right here. But uh, uh, so, plug yeah. away. This is yeah, for so, you. So 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 <laughs> so is so that um, you know and yeah, you know, kind of like you're doing you know con just content yeah. out there that lets you know that that, that you're active. It's not it's not a stale business. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, putting out uh, you know we write like a, a little newsletter for for all our clients just to let them know what we're thinking about and just kind of just and just you know just those constant touches yeah. um, just lets people know that. Uh, yeah, you like doing it, and that you know, reminds them of uh, the work that you're doing for them. We're, we're almost like a dentist's office in, in, in a certain sense, where nice. you go to the dentist. You, sh you ought to go to mm -hmm. the dentist. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you go there, and you get your cleanings. And once you have your dentist, unless they're just absolutely terrible, you stick with them. Right. And that's kind of how our clients are. So we, we have a lot of very, I won't say old clients, that sounds... We have clients that have been with us for a long time. So loyalty. Loyal maybe. clients. Yeah. Good loyal clients. And then we also have people that are jumping in, whether they're new to the world of finance, maybe this is their first teeth cleaning and they have to choose someone. Right. So I'd compare us to a dentist in that sense. I like that analogy. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about something as it relates to my own personal journey in finance. So I, 
I'm not going to mention names, but I had this interesting interaction the other day that I think you guys would get a kick out of. So I had a, a, uh, an acquaintance, somebody I don't really know, reach out and say, hey, I'd like to get on the phone with you and uh, just learn more about what you do, and I'll tell you a little bit about what I do. I like to talk to people. So I'm like, great, you bet. I'll spend 30 minutes on the phone with this guy, get to know him a little better. Sure. Uh, it turns out that I end up on a phone call with somebody else and this individual, and they begin to take an application is what it turned out to be for uh, financial planning services. And I found it very, very interesting. So uh, I'd like to get your feedback. To me, that rubbed me the wrong way. Like you just kind of get bait and switched a little bit into something that you don't want to do. But it was an in- the reason I mentioned it is their goal was to acquire sure. a new client. Is what it, do you guys think about that? And that, well, is I guess, that am I is r- run that by me again? So like, hey, let's have a conversation. Then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, what's your social security number? I mean, not, mm. not quite, but yeah. what? What I mean, what do you make? Like, okay. what? What, what sure. type of assets do you have? So, it was. I don't know. It just yeah. was weird. That's, and it was a Zoom call. The dude was not in our town. Yeah. I don't know. That, that, Would you do that? No. It. <laughs> I, it sounds rather aggressive. Sure. Um, that's not our style. Okay. And um, this might sound, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but we probably turn away um, more, more business than, um, than, we, than we pursue. And not because we don't want to work with sure. you. It's mostly because, hey, you're not ready. Got Let's it. take care of some financial fundamentals before mm-hmm. you start investing. Uh, because there are baby steps and you got to take care of some things first. So we're not very aggressive. Um, I like that. We have a very specific client um, that has to check a few boxes before we're ready to partner with them. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's good to know. Uh, yeah, I mean, and not to, you know. We're bashing people we're, today, we're bashing, so just yeah, go for not, it. Not to me, but, you know, in, 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 a lot of this stuff, you know, is questions that you know, I would ask. Because at, at some point, if you're going to do legitimate financial planning, you know, you got to reveal, you know, you got to lay your cards on of the table course. at some point. But th- there, there is uh, uh, some tact in doing it. Well, to me, it would be... Um, that you have that expectation ahead of time, like, hey, here's what we're going to do on the call instead of... Right. And that's where it comes to work, where it helps to, to know the people really well. Yes. So you start asking personal questions. You know, usually it comes better. You know, it's, it's better from a from a friend instead of sure. unsolicited advice from somebody you just met. So there's, there's, there's some tact to it. I'm not sure. We, we always have our due diligence meeting. And that's okay. basically just an interview. It's like, hey, let, let's... You'll get to know me. I'll get to know you. We're not going to break out a pen in type out an application now. We'll yep. do that later. Yeah. So if that comes right out of the shoot, that that it does seem kind of aggressive. Yeah. Well, I like that too, because that's how you build that relationship is an t- initial touch point. And I'll do right. that with my clients a lot before they even do an application. Just, hey, I want to know more about you. And, and we're, we're unique. People have to like us as well. You know, we have mm-hmm. our own style and there's a bunch of advisors in the Valley. They have their own styles. There's, there's a good fit for each person that might be sure. us, that might not be us. Let's determine that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of options out there, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, we, yeah. They obviously the client needs to make sure we're a good fit for them, but you know it goes both ways because it's going to be a you know, twenty years later we're going to be working together, and you know it's it's kind of like you know it, an extreme example is kind of like getting married. You know, yeah. it's like You want to have a yeah. couple conversations before you, <laughs> you, know, you pull the trigger on that one. Maybe. We see that transfer transfer of wealth. You know, we're working with grandparents and their kids mm-hmm. and their kids, so it's really building a relationship with the whole family. That's nice. important. Have you ever been invited to Thanksgiving dinner for one of your clients? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's great. No. <laughs> 
you'll Dang get it. there. Yeah, no, it's good. I usually, I usually end up at the boss's Thanksgiving table. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So <laughs> that's great. The reason I ask is that just that just goes to that amount of trust that people have. Where I've had that every once in a while, like, hey, you should come to the new house and whatnot. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun because you get to reciprocate that, and then it's no. You've been mentioning this the whole time. It's no longer a job. It's right. a hobby to be able to enjoy time with these people and serve them at the same well, time. They become your friends. Yeah. They become your friends, yeah. And yep. we, we talk on the phone to our friends. Right. It's a great job. I like it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so um, I do mortgages, and I think that per- <laughs> perhaps there was a, uh, a t- tip or a trick from the finance world that you could share to the audience that might help them as they prepare for a down payment. Yeah, Can this you is, fill us in on so that? this is, uh, you know, was, uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't know, I, I probably, you know, don't remember from our initial conversation, but I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I was talking to Drew, I was like, I, I don't know what we're going to talk about <laughs> tomorrow. So I'm like, you know what, here's something that we've been talking about a lot, you know, the I bonds and the CD ladders. And I'm like, we'll just, we'll just talk about this because it ties in the mortgages perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I love it. Yeah. But what we're talking about is that, uh, you know, it used to be that there, there was nothing out there for, for savings accounts. You know, they're paying point zero nothing. And, uh, to hold your money. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. And so people yeah. saving for like a house or something like that, you basically, you don't want to invest it because if you're going to need it three to five years, that would be, you know, the market would be down right when you need it. <laughs> so, so that's not an option. So, uh, up until probably about this year, the only option was just to keep it in cash and just let inflation just hammer away at it. But thankfully, yeah. you know, some of the rates are, are coming up. So especially on like treasury bills and, uh, and CDs. And for clarity, rates coming up would be rate of return, right. not interest rates, uh, right? Yield specifically. Yields. Yeah. Okay. Both, both I guess. Yeah, yeah technically yeah, yeah. both, but yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. But, uh, but yeah, and, and so, um, yeah, we've been really kind of thankful that, you know, c- c- uh, some, you know, certificates of deposit, treasury bills are starting to pay upwards of 4%, uh, for, for stuff under a year. And so it gives people nice. saving for houses, uh, some safety, but also a little bit more return than, uh, than just getting, you know, nothing in a savings account. So, so that, you know, that, that was kind of my, <laughs> I was just like, well, if we, if we need to come up with something, here's, here's the uh, topic. But, I love uh, it. Yeah. I mean, and it's also a good hedge against inflation, as you mentioned, because cash is, what do you think? It, it seems is, like it it's is. devaluing every day we wake up. It keeps up with inflation. Um, I bond specifically, it stands for inflation. Bonds. Oh, okay. So yeah. they're Great. pegged to the CPIU, which is basically the inflation that's floating around out there. So when I bonds are paying 9.6 or 6.8 or 7.5%, um, you're, you're getting that. Yeah, you're getting that return, but that's also what you're spending at the grocery store and the gas pump. Yeah, right. So... Yeah, it but is, to is, me, that adds value to uh, an I bond because it's just uh, otherwise you're losing mm-hmm. seven to nine percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right? that's that's a hard thing for for people saving up for a down payment. Is that yeah? You know, obviously, you don't want to invest it because that would be you know anything sure. short like that. You don't want to end up in a position where the market's down twenty thirty percent right when you're ready to pull the trigger. Yeah. So just getting like especially at seven you know six point eight percent I think on I bonds or something like that. Um, even though there's a lot of caveats to that. Um, so um, sure. But uh, but you know or even four and a half on something that's uh, that comes due in under a year, um, I imagine would help uh, people looking for a down payment quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So let's unpack this a little bit further. So let's say somebody wanted to, what do they do? They purchase I-bonds, and so they mm-hmm. put a certain amount of money in, and when do they get it back? Is it one year? 
I-bond maturities are, are up to 30 years. So okay. this is kind of where is that uh, like, hey, I-bonds are great. You know, re- it's kind of like reading the other uh, drug labels uh, <laughs> on like uh, on something like that. It's like there's all these you know it's like conditions. This, this will help you. But here are, here are all the nasty side effects. <laughs> the thing with I-bonds, there's really no nasty side effects, but there's a lot of caveats. So, sure. for instance, you can only buy $10,000 per person per year. And those are it's, technically they're, they're 30 year bonds. So those bonds technically come due in 30 years. But the, the, the thing to remember is that at, at, you know, it used to be 9% and now it's kind of dropped to just below seven is that if you redeem that bond in the, the second year, you'll pay three months worth of interest, but you're still probably getting more than, you know, like a high yield savings account would. Yes. So, so, so there's that, but you're, you're going to pay a three months. And if you hold it for longer than five years, now that penalty goes away. And, uh, so, um, so, so you get a little bit more return on it, but like I said, there's, there's a, there's a list of uh, side effects that you just got to review before you do it. Sure. Um, the biggest one is that if, if, if you buy, you cannot get your money out in 12 months. So right. you got to keep it in there for one year. Got um, it. So you got to make sure you're not going to need that money in a year. Mm-hmm. So then, um, so that's where you guys come into play though. If you have somebody who's interested in an I bond, you can probably do the math, right? So three months of interest subtracted from the net earnings from the actual time that you put the money into the time you take it out. And so is that where you guys come in and say, this makes sense because the math works. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and I bonds are just, they're, they're another tool in the investor toolbox. Okay. They're really popular right now and you're, they're on the news and they're in articles and they're in financial magazines. They may or not be appropriate. Sure. Um, you know, there might be other things out there, but yeah, we help clients determine if they are or they, or they aren't. Um, we don't manage I-bonds. That's just something we encourage some specific clients to do. You have to buy it directly from the treasury. Oh, wow. So okay. um, it's like, hey, don't invest with us. It's more prudent for you to buy an I-bond. Go do that. Nice. So I like that because you're providing advice even if you don't get paid, right? Yeah. That's yeah. good. And yeah. We, we, we like to do that. We want to be yeah. honest, but we also have a fiduciary yeah. responsibility. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No, we're the same way. We um, I had a, a customer recently who needed a loan that we thought we could do. And um, I don't like admitting this because we can do every loan, right? <laughs> um, but we can't at times. True. And um, we made the decision internally, like, it's in the best interest of this consumer if we connect them with somebody who we know that can actually take care of their, their loan needs. And in many ways, it's very likely that that client's going to come back in the future because they remember. It's not, it's not guaranteed. But they remember, hey, these guys look out for my best interest, even if they don't actually do the loan for me. Mm-hmm. And so I like to hear you guys say the same thing. That's a big deal in the service industry than looking out for the best of the people we serve. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Huh. Yeah. but yeah, it, it, it'll come back to you if you don't. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the philosophy of the giver's gain, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, just give, give, give. And someday, who knows when, there's some gain in there too. So, okay. So then uh, let's say we've got somebody who. Um, put some money in, uh, they can get it in 12 months. So if they're going to go buy a house in six, um, like, do you guys ask that question? If you've got somebody who says, hey, I'm interested in buying a house and I heard about I-bonds. Is that one of your first questions? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, time horizon is huge. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's, that is one of the first questions we ask. Absolutely. Okay, so then what are some other investment strategies? Um, I understand it's nuanced because everybody has their own particulars. Um, but what are the, what's a good overall investment strategy for someone who's looking to buy their first home? Uh, let's say they are a salaried employee. They're approved for the loan. 
Should they do it? Should they wait? And should they put their money elsewhere? Should they buy the house? What do you think? I think the the best strategy is to number one have a strategy. Yes. Yeah. But uh, and then and then you know like every answer in finance is that uh, it depends. <laughs> you know because everybody's everybody's different, so it, you know, it depends it. like how how much you make, how much you have saved, what kind of house you're going to buy, mm-hmm. what are interest rates like, you sure, know, uh, all this other because yeah you know, like like Drew said is that a lot of it is. Uh, you know, people want to buy a house, but you know, you bought uh, snowmobiles and campers, and you know, a lot of times, you know, at least our perspective, like we like to get that kind of stuff cleaned mm-hmm. up first. Um, not that, that that they're bad, but we just don't want to go in with a, uh, you know, a lot of debt and and no cash because you know mm-hmm. if something happens where like a check valve breaks and your your yeah. driveway is flooded with like uh, sewage water or something like that. We want to make sure we have enough money uh-huh. sitting around to uh, to cover that. Uh, yeah, part part of building wealth is managing your liabilities or yeah. eliminating them completely. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting a mortgage, like you have to to do if you want to climb that 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 ladder to um to uh, financial independence, um, it is important to take a look and say, hey, is this mortgage something that you can afford? How much of this mortgage is going to be uh, my take home pay? So yeah. those are questions we certainly ask. Yeah, and, awesome. And you you want to give yourself wiggle room too, because mm-hmm. a lot of people they like to to like I can afford this much, so that's that's the amount we're going to take out, but a lot of times what they don't count on is, uh, you know, if things get tight, you know, mm-hmm. it causes stress in your in your life between your relationships is that uh, if you're always stressed out about, you know, where the how you're going to pay your bills, uh, that's when people start fighting and, and life gets uh, unpleasant. So you want to make sure there's enough wiggle room. And yeah, I agree. I ask the question. Um, so here's what you're approved for to buy a house. But um, I don't I almost never recommend that you go there because it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. Um, there are scenarios where it makes sense, um, but I think you guys are coming at it from a perspective of wisdom, <laughs> which is a good thing. So what um, we're going to wrap it up here. So I kind of would like for you guys to provide a, a perhaps a message of encouragement um, for our audience as they, I mean, finance, you said money is a great measurement of success. So uh, what kind of encouragement can you give to our audience just as they live their lives uh, in, a, in a way that ideally is prudent from a financial perspective? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, slight correction, a uh, measurement of our choices. Sure. You know, I don't want to make that distinction that <laughs> Good you know, point. someone is, hey, you're rich, you're successful, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you did it, and you're a poor man. You know, you're, Thank you so, for clarifying. So of our choices, whether yes. good or bad. Yes. But I think um, in finance, um, just, just having a strategy mm-hmm. um, Personal finance is, is actually pretty simple. When you uh, when you peel back the layers, it's kind of like going to the gym. Everyone knows you need to eat right and exercise. Mm-hmm. That's that's the recipe for a healthy life. Um, finance is really no different. You know, spend uh, less than you make and save a portion of that. So I think if you just do that, spend less than you make, save ten percent, um, and just be a good manager of your personal finances, you'll have great outcomes. Awesome. Yeah. No, I would say it's a, you know, personal finance is, is exactly like, like going to the, to the gym. It's, 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 it's all about discipline. It's not, you know, it's not an academic challenge where you're like, I'm never going to be able to figure this out. It's just a matter of doing small things every day and, uh, and just being disciplined at it. And that's, uh, that's, you know, unfortunately that's, that's also the hard part about it. But if you yeah. just stick to a strategy, no matter what is going on, um, then you'll, you'll eventually, you know, 10, 15 years from now it'll pay off. The thing is that it doesn't feel like it, um, 
you know, in the, in, especially in the early years. And, um, and, you know, in, in the middle, it just feels like you're just getting, yeah, it's like inflation's high. I'm spending all my money on doctor's bills and, and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But if you stick to the strategy and stick with your plan, um, it'll pay off for you in the long run. I like that. The term that maybe encapsulates that is uh, delayed gratification, mm-hmm. right? Uh, wait to buy the hamburger today so mm-hmm. that you can uh, be financially free tomorrow, right? Yeah. Have you ever done the marshmallow test with your kids? No. <laughs> so it's a... It's a, a um, Oh. An, an experiment in psychology yes. or behavioral economics uh-huh. where they, they have a bunch of three or four-year-olds and they sit them in, the, in a classroom and they give them a marshmallow and they say, hey, look, we're going to leave the room for 10 minutes. If you don't eat this marshmallow, you're going to get a second marshmallow. And some of the kids are able to, to hold off. Some of the kids eat it right away. <laughs> some of the kids kind of, you know, they, they poke it and they lick their finger. They're, they're tempted, yeah. but they hold off. And with the, they, they followed this study and they followed these kids into adulthood and they found that the ones that were able to have that discipline of delayed gratification um, had the, the best outcomes. So I think you said it well. That's awesome. I love that story. Cool. Okay, well, we're going to conclude. Um, thank you guys. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come down here and be on my podcast. Um, I hope that you guys found value in today's episode. I'm always looking for feedback for people to interview or topics to cover all within that relationship category that we're trying to get at. So thank you guys. Thanks yeah. for watching. Thank you. Yeah. Well, folks, all good things must come to an end. So that concludes today's episode on It's Just Personal. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you made it this far, you're an all-star. Do me one more favor and subscribe to my podcast on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. It helps me out a lot, and I appreciate it very much. Also, as a people person, I cherish your feedback. So if you have any suggestions on things you'd like to see modified or changed, or maybe you have somebody you'd like me to interview please reach out to me on my social media platforms. And even better, if you want to be on the show, let's get it on the calendar. All right. Thank you guys very much. And remember, go create a new relationship today. Thanks and have a good one.